0: yep howdy everybody welcome to another episode of cowboys of the osage from right here in Pahuska, oklahoma at the ben johnson cowboy museum i'm cody one of your hosts i got old jimbo over here as always my rodeo historian and co-host jimbo snively hey what's going on over there
1: jimbo hey cody boy it's just another great day in the osage uh we've got a really special guest today she's a Another great champion from right here in Osage County. She was the 1985 IPRA Rookie of the Year. And then just two years later, 1987, she was the IPRA World's Champion Barrel Racer. And then in 1990, she was the World's Champion IPRA Barrel Racer again. Of course, I'm talking about Charlotte Hartness Allen right here at Pusk, Oklahoma. Charlotte, thanks for coming in tonight.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Hey, Charlie, you got to talk into it just a little more. I should have told you before we got started. <laughs> should have told you before we got started. We're happy incredible. to have you. Thank you. Happy to have you. World champion, two times, and what else did we miss in there? A national championship?
2: National championship in 85, yes.
0: A national championship in 85, Jimbo. You're slipping. Well, I knew we were going to talk about it later. Oh, okay. I can only remember so much. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Charla, What's your earliest memories riding horses around here?
2: I started when I was about five years old at the junior rodeos here in Pauska. Yeah.
0: So your mom and dad, they'd start taking you to the junior rodeos here at five years old?
2: Well, we didn't have a horse trailer, so we had to ride to the rodeo. So <laughs> yeah. anyway... Um, yeah, we started out here. They had junior radios on Friday night and then weekends and stuff like that, and we'd ride out there, and the whole bunch of us. I had a bunch of cousins that lived down the road, and we'd meet up and ride out there and then ride home at night.
1: Did you always live where, you're, where, you're, where your dad lives now? Yes, sir. Okay, sure I couldn't exactly. remember when you moved. I mean, how long you lived there. I knew Lefty Robinson lived there at one time.
2: Yes, that's my uncle and yeah, his I'm wife's
1: the, my aunt. Yeah, yeah, cool. What was your
0: pony's name back then?
2: I don't remember. I rode so many different young horses or... You don't remember your first... Outlaws when I was young, so...
0: She's rode so many of yeah. them. Don't even remember My her first, first one. My first
2: really good one was when I was 10 years old. We called him Paint. And I bought him off of Justin Patterson's sister, Joannie. And he was stood about 13'2 or 13'3. And there was not very many big horses out around here that could outrun him. I'd go to open rodeos, um... Outrun him at open rodeos. I even got my hat from her, and I was more famous for my hat, I think, than I was running barrels. And there was a lot of times my dad would hear people betting to see if I was even going to lose my hat. They would bet to see if I'd lose my hat. Oh, yeah? And I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> your dad was a pipeliner, and I'm sure he'd gone a lot. I, I guess your mom had to haul you all around a lot, didn't she?
2: Yes, sir. He, uh, She did. She didn't ride or anything. Right. But she hauled us wherever we wanted to go. Mm -hmm.
0: Where all would y'all go when you were young, when Um, you started hauling a
2: little bit? um, I started out in the Oklahoma Junior Rodeo Association. That was um, all over Oklahoma. It was 19 and under. They started with 12 and under, 13 to 15, 16 through 19. And I started in the 12 and under there right after I got paint. And I would have been about, I was 10 when I got him. So when I was 12, I won the all-around championship in the OJRA off of that horse. So.
0: What all events did you do when you were young? Uh,
2: I just ran barrels, poles, and goat tide then. Um, we didn't break away or nothing much. Um, so I just, barrels, poles, and goats.
1: Did you always have that roping arena there by your house, or did that come later?
2: Uh, as far as I can ever remember, far as you can remember, was yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
0: Your brothers were ropers, weren't they?
2: Yeah, both my older brother, Alan, he wrote calves, and then my younger brother, Sean, he wrote calves when he was in the junior rodeos, but then after that, when he got out of high school, he just went to work. So.
1: You've heard of a rope ring out your back door. She, they literally had one out their back door. Yeah, I see it over here, <laughs>
0: right over there at her dad's house. Yeah. So, Charla, Cavalcade, turning 75 years this year. Yep. What kind of good memories do you have from the Cavalcade?
2: Well, a lot of good memories. Um, That's where I tried paint, actually. Um, I was 9 or 10 when we tried him there at the cavalcade, and we bought him right after that. And um, I would say that's kind of what really got me going, you know, there the the cavalcade. um, A lot of good experience there.
0: A lot of good experience at the cavalcade. Yeah. All right. She don't want to tell us what all she did at the cavalcade. Well, was
2: Young men, but <laughs> when I got older and got up in high school, I didn't compete in the cavalcade as much because, you know, we went to high school rodeos. some. Um, and and then when I graduated high school um, in 84, that's when I'd run this horse in the barrel fraternity uh, right after I graduated. And then the year after that's when I started my professional career.
0: So you didn't start your professional career till you were –
2: 19.
0: 19, two years out of high school.
2: It was actually 18. I hadn't turned 19 yet.
0: Your first professional horse you were hauling, was that paint? No. Different horse.
2: Um, Pedro. Oh, Pedro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right the right off one. the bat. That's Pe- the one I won the fraternity on, and then I started hauling him um, professionally when he was five.
0: Where'd y'all get Pedro?
2: We bought him off of Bud Moody at Copan, Oklahoma. He's three years old.
0: Did you break him to ride
2: no, he was broke. Um, he wasn't broke like we wanted him, but he was. You could get on him and ride him. But my dad and I finished him and started him on the barrels and rope. My dad roped a lot on him before we ran barrels on him. Actually,
1: your dad used to rope calves and stuff, didn't he, back in the day?
2: Yeah, when they had the Friday night rope yeah, out here. Yeah. Yeah. He, he and his brother would rope yeah. if they were home from a job. You know?
1: I remember his brother Owen. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him well. She, I can vouch for her family. Two of them, her mom and dad, was really nice people. But I go, I'm old enough to remember her grandpa, mm-hmm. Ezra, Ezra. Mm-hmm. and uh, Cody. He had an old Ford tractor, and he'd plow people's gardens. And you'd see, of course, he didn't ever put it on a trailer, just roded it wherever he was gonna go. He even took it all the way out to our house, and uh, plowed our garden. You know, he was. Quite, if he could be here today, he could tell some history on Osage County because he. He, uh, he worked some of the roads. He, he told me one time that he actually opened our road up down to our house back in the 20s, I guess, you know, before it was even a, a road. He was he was the one that graded it and made the right-of-way and the whole deal. So he was quite a character himself.
2: Yeah, my great-grandfather, um, the house that's on the highway um, highway going towards Barnstall when you come from New Loughly, um, McPherson's lived there. My great-grandfather moved, there, moved up there with a team of horses.
1: Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of people live there. What about Pedro?
0: How much did y'all give for Pedro?
2: I believe we gave um, $1,000 for him. Mm $1,000.
0: You know, we had Wenda Johnson in here last night. And she said, it's not uncommon for a good horse that looks like he might be a good one to bring a quarter of a million to $600,000 right now. Different day and age.
2: Different day and age. And my dad could have sold him um, to Paul Lee Foreman. Matter of fact, within a month after we had him, and he didn't do it. And then right after we got him started, all we could do before we ran in the barrel fraternities is you, could, you couldn't could run for money. You had to exhibition. And we had exhibition him at Oshaleta at um, Eastman's Arena before we'd leave some of the ca- – they'd have calf robins over there. And a man came up to my dad and says, uh, what will you take for that horse tonight? Dad says, it'll uh, take 3500 And this man said, I'll give you 2500 And dad said, no, can't do that. It takes 3500 And he said, I got $2,500 bills on me tonight. And he said, it takes $3,500. i will take a check. I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't, of course, luckily didn't get sold. Thank
0: goodness. Thank goodness we might be having a different kind of talk today. Yeah. Might be having a different kind of talk today. What about the barrel training on Pedro?
2: He was pretty easy, but we he was a real athlete. And um, we rode him a lot, though. We, he was broke. We'd ride him a couple times a day. There was times he'd get so tired, he'd try to cow kick you when you get on him. And... Um, I started him actually at Slim Dodson's Arena, OSA Sports Arena in uh, Nillogany is where I started that horse. And, you know, it's narrow. I don't know if you'd ever been there. Lauren has. It's real, Jimbo has. Mm. Um, It's real narrow. And my dad told me to get up in the heading box. He said, I want you to run towards that first barrel. And I said, Dad, it's not going to give him enough room. And he said, if he can't turn it, I don't want him. And he inhaled it. But I trained several good horses in that real small indoor arena there. Mm-hmm. I liked it better than training them in a big pen because they get to watching, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Charlotte, who helped you learn to train horse barrel horses, or or was it all self-taught on you?
2: Well, actually, I my dad helped me a lot with my horsemanship when I was younger, but I was fortunate also too, you know, like the little pain horse um, stick me on something that was broke and knew what they were doing, you learn the feel of what you want and what you like. But then when I got older, um, I was about 12, I think. I went to a um, barrel uh, school in Hutchinson, Kansas, and it was a Josie, Martha Josie Barrel School. It was a weekend clinic. And I went to two weekend clinics, you know, through my career, and a week, I stayed a week at Josie's when I was 13 years old. And they helped me a lot and everything, but basically just riding a lot of good horses and uh, learning the feel that you like and you want, you know, a lot of riding.
0: Did you ride bareback a lot?
2: I did when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, I did. We had one saddle, and Mama wouldn't saddle because my brother told her she didn't know how to do it one time, so that was over, and <laughs> so we just had to ride bareback, and like I said, I had cousins that lived down the road, and They'd come to our house one day, and we'd go to the east and ride all over the country. And the next day, we'd go to their house to the west, and we'd ride to the west. It was like in the summer, it was every day. We rode every day.
0: Every single day. Every single day. Well, it's just interesting because, you know, we had Lynn Starr in here just the other day, and she was telling us how important she thought it was if you're going to be a great rider to ride bareback. And then we had Wenda Johnson in here recently and you know she's one of the greatest I, i'm gonna just have to call her a horse jockey right now um in the world period and she said most of her success a big part of her riding success is from learning to ride barebacks and she went they went to extremes i used to spray show sheen on their horses back her and her sister and and try to stay on barebacks so um it, it's just, I'm just wondering, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, trying to put two and two together here to see if you rode bareback a lot when you were young.
2: Yeah, it let you feel that horse, you know, and and get that balance and and everything. So, yeah, we did. We did a lot.
0: you Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. That year you went. Did you go by yourself? Did you have some hauling partners? Did your mom drive you everywhere?
2: No, I hauled with my brother and some other calf ropers. There would probably be six or seven of us in a rig. And I had a one-seater Chevrolet Dually pickup with a camper. And there would probably be six or seven of us in that truck and trailer to go in. And we had a five-wide WW stock trailer and had hay bags, um, buckets, everything hanging off the side. No mangers. No mangers. It was straight load and... Said it looked like a bunch of gypsies going down the road. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when yes. did you first realize you had the horsepower to maybe go hit the road and, and really accomplish something?
2: I knew he was special, you know, right after we started him. And I would, back then, you could go to open rodeos and exhibition. And when I exhibitioned him, I didn't just go slow. I exhibitioned him, I made a rodeo run. And I knew then, when he was... um early four-year-old that he had what it took because I was my time because they let us run on the same pattern as, you know, the rodeo, and he would outrun them then.
1: Where where all did you have to go to win that rookie of the year, some of the places you went back then?
2: We went a lot back east Mm -hmm. um, in the building rodeos. My first rodeo was um, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I had worked for my uncle in the oil field um, at Chapman, up above Chapman Barnard Ranch actually, before that. And he was, the horse was real quick and those buildings were real small. And I hit some barrels at the first few, you know, being green and everything. And when I got to um, Chattanooga, I had just enough money to get there. And that was my first win. And because those buildings were small, they were like 12, 13 seconds buildings, you know, and so we went to a lot of those like Columbus, Ohio, um, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Johnson City, Tennessee, um, just back east. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you make the finals that year
2: you won the? Yes. In 1985, I was rookie of the year and the national champion, and the reason why I was crowned national champion that year, um, to become world champion, you had to win the average at the finals. Okay. And um, he had gotten injured a little bit before those finals, and I hit a couple barrels that kept me from, you know, he had to win the average, be the world champion. and um, But I always feel like that that was meant for a reason. Um, there was a horse called Go Rudy Go. He was from McAllister, Oklahoma. Sherry Hearn Blair rode him, and they honored him that year. And that was his last year at the finals, and she won the average, so I really felt like go Rudy go needed to go out because he was three time um champion with Jimmy Biff Powell, and then sherry Don or sherry uh, Herm Blair was two times world champion on him, I believe, so I just kind of feel like that was for a reason that go Rudy go needed to go out as a champion
0: so. It's nice that you were Rooting for some fellow competitors.
2: Yeah. Well, her mother, Sherry, was real young. Um, they gave a Jeep away <laughs> that year, and she wasn't even old enough to drive it. And her mom let me take her out driving around in it because she said, we know who the real world champion is because you want it over the whole year, you know. But I just was glad that Go Rudy went out like that.
0: I'm going to circle back real quick, Sharla, to something that maybe everybody don't realize what it is so you were talking about fraturities and barrel horse fraturities a minute ago so there's a lot of people that uh, that are into the western way of life but they don't know what a barrel horse fraturity is and and what you were competing in that can, can you explain to me what that is in jimbo
2: yeah at that time um a barrel fraturity was for horses four years and younger and when I ran him, he would have been four, and that was in September of his four-year-old year. year. And I had graduated in high school in August. Um, He could not have run for money until after December 1st of his prior year. So to train them and run them for any money prior to December 1st, you couldn't do that. So any fraternities you were in their four-year-old year, year, that would have been their first money year. So... um, he was four. He had just turned four whenever we ran him down there. And that's what they mostly run them at, is four-year-olds.
0: They wait till as long as possible yes. before the maturity, mm-hmm. so they're as old as possible. Yeah. Okay. So that's what a barrel for charity is, Jimbo. Yep. I always wondered. I've always wondered, too. My mom used to run on them. She won the big barrel for charity in Guthrie one time, where oh, they yes. gave a trailer, one of the few things they used to give a trailer away back in the day. So, yeah. But, you know, I'm just, I was just a dumb kid and I didn't know what that could be. Right. Right. was well, small then. <laughs> yeah. I mm-hmm. <laughs> was a little bitty old turd
1: then, Jimbo. Mm-hmm. Right. Short hair and everything, probably. Yep. Yep. Short hair. So, uh, did they always have the, final, the IPRA finals at Tulsa?
2: When I ran, the uh, first few years they were in Tulsa, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the last year I won the world, it was in Oklahoma City.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. That was after. Probably after they moved the RCA to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was
2: a while. It was, well, they was 84 the last year they had the NFR at Oklahoma City. you remember? Yeah,
0: it's either uh, 85, 86, or 87 when they started in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I used to have the videotape at the house. We
2: so thinking, videotaped
0: at night one night off the TV.
1: Which place did you prefer?
2: I liked Oklahoma City. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot better. Yeah.
0: So it was uh, the year you won the world. Let's jump to that year.
2: 87.
0: 1987. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that year. First world championship. Rookie of the year. National championship, 85, 86. What the heck happened?
2: Uh, Pedro got hurt at the region finals, actually, um, after 85. So he was out part of his season in 86. And um, he pulled a check ligament, which we were talking about, um, Lisa Payne, earlier. And she's the one that helped me get him well. And um, some of her racetrack trainings.
0: Yeah, her dad was one of the best leg men in the business, actually, Gene Heron. So, for sure. So, he was hurt in 86. Mm
2: -hmm. And... um, I think I rode another, another horse at the finals. I borrowed a horse from um, a lady from Georgia, I believe, and I didn't fare too well on her. But um, brought him back in 87 and won the world.
1: How many rodeos did you go to in 87? Do you remember?
2: Probably about 75.
1: That's a lot. Most of them back east? and mm-hmm, A lot of them back east.
2: You know. Oklahoma. Uh, we go to California, um, Arizona. Some, not a whole lot, but they were mostly east yeah, in the southeast. Right,
0: right. What about Canada? Did you ever go to that big IRA rodeo in Canada?
2: I did not. Uh, One year, uh, my brother and I, we were hauling with Tom Walker and Beth Walker and uh, Danny Hamilton and Stephen Perry. He's from southern Texas. And they all went to Canada, but I felt like my horse needed to stay home and have a rest. So uh, that might have been 87, and I stayed home. And let him have some time off. Yeah. So I never did go.
0: Okay. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. She had to give Pedro some time off. Right. He probably deserved it. He did. You know, we're talking about fraturities again. I read something here a while back. Sharla Hartness, Barrel for Charity, Pawhusk, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. What was that, Sharla?
2: Uh, the Roundup Club actually sponsored that and i believe it might have been gerald holt's um, idea for that fraternity if i'm not mistaken and they wanted to have a barrel fraternity here and they asked to name it you know put my name on it so they had a fraternity and a derby and what a derby is is five-year-olds and younger and then they had a sweepstakes which is an open open run
0: it looked like it was a pretty big deal yeah there were well some attended big
2: games Big names there. Um, Celie Whitcomb-Ray, she won it one year. Um, she's no longer with us, but um, she's probably one of the best there is. I could sit and watch her all day. Learned a lot from going there and just watching people.
1: Cody, did you ever see the sign that was out at the fairgrounds? Were you here when it was still up?
0: Yes, I've seen the sign. Yeah, that
1: that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, the Roundup Club. Yeah. Um, I've, I think Joe Sweden may have had something to do with that. Yeah. I'll get that
0: going. Yeah, we got a we got a great picture of it, uh, a newspaper clipping I think of it going up in here oh, in, the, in the museum, oh, that's Jimbo. Cool. That's cool. We'll share it on the a picture of it on the on the picture reel at the end of this one, so everyone mm-hmm. can see that great sign they used to have, to yep. Charlotte. We actually got part of it out here. Oh, that really? They brought us to us. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, We're going to be displaying in the museum real soon. Oh, that's neat. Oh yeah, hmm. Charlotte. How did your life change after winning the? world in 1987 didn't really didn't really change that much
2: no i mean started riding a lot more um some outside horses you know i started getting a few horses to ride for people but rode uh more young horses started trying to train a few more and stuff like that but it really didn't change a whole lot to me just and then we got 87
0: to 90 What happened in them couple of years between them, 87 and 1990?
2: I was riding more colts, not going as much. And um, Pedro had been going since he was four years old. And I think he was getting a little bit tired at the time, had a little rest. And back then I had one horse to haul where a lot of people now have three, you know, two, three, four horses. And it was only him. So he got a little tired, so I just kind of slacked off a little bit.
0: Well, it's not like the trailer rigs nowadays where, you know, no. they're real nice and, you know, they got these specialized boots they fill with gel and air and all kind of stuff. But whatever it takes to, uh, to keep your horse sound going up and down the road because that's, uh, that's that's a real beating on them, especially back back when you were rodeoing strong.
2: Yeah, and I, I took real good care of his legs. I knew how to do that. You know, I wrapped him. He never left the place without a set of wraps on. And I mean wrapping like they do at the racetrack. You know, I didn't do the velcro wraps or nothing and he was rubbed down he was treated like a racehorse actually um took real good care of him it's just i think the the highway miles you know the runs don't hurt him so much as the highway miles and he would just spent a lot of miles and it was just kind of time to maybe ride a few a few other younger horses and try to get something else going and stuff like that so just kind of Backed off a little.
1: So he came on back strong in ninety. Was that what she's riding in ninety?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that year, um, I was going with my brother and a few other guys, and um, they kind of got off the beaten trail with me and was going to some pro rodeos. So we were fixing to go to California, and I didn't have a way to go because. My brother and some others were going to some PRCA rodeos. So I talked to Jack Wiseman. He was from Hartshorn, Oklahoma. Bulldogger. Mm-hmm. Bulldogger. And I asked him, I said, can you make me a hole to go to California with you? And he kind of looked at me like, mm. you know. And I said, if you make me a hole, I won't get out. I'll be in all, I'll. be in the rest of the year. And he did, and I stayed with him all year. And he helped me get to another world champion. Yep.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Jack Wiseman, he was a good fella. Mm -hmm. He was a good fella. I think he just fell off. Uh, Didn't he lose his balance here a while Mm -hmm. back, and he fell off and hit his head and and never did quite recover from that. But uh, president of the IPRA Mm -hmm. at one time, Jack Wiseman, she was hauling with the president.
1: Mm -hmm. When did Pedro kind of play out and you had to retire?
2: Um, I slowed down um, after the year 90. I think I made him again another year after that, maybe or something like that. But um I got married in 91. So I was riding a lot of young horses and fraternity horses took some horses to the Fort Smith fraternity in 93, I believe. Um one second there on a horse at Fort Smith and just kind of was kind of backed off a little bit. Um and then my first daughter was born in 96. So she wrote him after she got older. My niece wrote him, and another little girl named Jessica Sears wrote him. Hmm. So he didn't really get retired till he was probably about 23. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my niece won a saddle on him, and um, Sage won a saddle on him, and Jessica Sears made the high school finals on him.
0: Hmm. That's cool. You're not the only world champion in your family, direct family. Your brother. He's a world champion,
2: Alan. Yeah, he's a AQHA world champion calf roper.
1: American Quarter Horse Association, Jimbo. That's cool. I, I used to know Alan pretty good. Where's he at now?
2: Locust Grove. Okay. Yeah, he just still ropes every day.
1: Yeah, that's what your dad had told me uh, a year or two ago. He said he was still roping and pulling those horses, and oh, yeah. Yeah. must love
0: it. And we, got a, we got a world champion trophy in there for everyone to see. It's yep. right underneath Charlotte's world champion saddle. Nose. Okay. Hers is right above Allen's. So. <laughs> Hers is right above Allen's. Sharla, your husband, Gip. Yep. When did you meet Gip?
2: I yep. met him in the summer of 1990.
0: Wow. 90 was a good year for you.
2: Yeah. Well, kind of. Kind of. <laughs>
0: yeah. Everybody don't know Gip. He's a... Uh, you, you can tell him about Gip real quick, rodeo well, he, historian over there.
1: Well, he was a steer roper. Uh, of course, he's Guy Allen's brother and James Allen's son. And uh, he used to come out to my house and rope quite a bit. Uh, Delbert had some cattle. and He was working for Delbert. And I roped a lot in the practice pen with, with Gip. And just a real nice guy and and, uh, and a really good roper, you know. Several-time national uh, yeah, finalist. Absolutely.
0: Ben Johnson, steer roper yeah. winner. Yeah. First. Family, where father, son, son made the national finals too. The three, yeah. Your family was the first father, son, right? Her married-in family was the first father, son, son. Yep. So, it's
1: pretty cool. Small
0: world, right here. Small world, right here. What about your girls now? Are they carrying on any of the family traditions, Charla?
2: No, Sage. She wrote through high school and through college. And um, after she got out of college, she got kind of burnt out. So she's working now. And uh, my youngest girl, Blake, she rodeoed in the junior rodeos. And she won an all-around championship when she was about nine, I think. And um, and she just kind of wanted to play basketball and other sports. So that's the way she went. They're both
0: very talented right. in the in the rodeo field, if that's what they wanted to do, too.
1: Well, so. Charlotte, drive by your house. Quite often on for my job, mm-hmm. and I notice your roping. stays worked up all the time. What do you got going on out there?
2: Um, we're trying to train some roping horses, actually. Uh, more than anything, we've got three really nice horses out there right now. If we quit raining, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, get heading on two of them. Going to trip steers on one of them. Maybe he'll get him going. And then we got one more starting in the breakaway. Yep. Yeah, breakaway horses are kind of hot commodity right now. Yeah.
1: You sure got a nice place and nice arena. Oh, thank you. Pretty. A Lot of work. Yeah, oh, it is absolutely. <laughs> you keep it looking nice. Thank you.
0: They got a great place over there. Yep. Great place. Let us know if you ever want to sell it. <laughs> Move out there. <laughs> I like that place. Yep.
2: That's where um, Pedro's buried there, right by that flagpole. Really. And then Gip's steer horses buried right there. His mm. one he's been to the national finals on so many times and. Yeah. Casey Jones wrote him several times at the time event when he won his championships there. Hmm. But they're both buried right there, head to head. Well,
1: that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jimbo, do you got anything else for Charlotte today? Well, thank her for coming in, naturally. But, uh, you know, time gets away from us. And and it's been several years since she won her championships. But she's got a beautiful display case there in, in, in this museum, and we're certainly not going to let anybody forget all the championships she's won, and that she was one of the best barrel racers ever, really, to be honest with you, and and we're going to keep that history, and, we're gonna, and like you say, you've done a good job with the displaying her stuff here in the museum, and, and then we're not going to forget about it. And we're real proud of her and her horse, Pedro, and her
0: dad, Tim, and her brother, the other world champion in the family, yeah. and her husband, the other national finalist, world renowned cowboy in the family. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're real proud of the whole crew over there. We're real proud of the whole crew over there. Charla. I always ask someone a question every time we start rounding out one of these. And the more I got to talking to you and the more we talked and the more I thought about your horses, horse care, your horses lasted a long time. Gibbs horses lasted a long time. Hey, can you give somebody, it don't even have to be for the younger generation. It could be people that are just dumb about horse care. What can we do to make these horses last longer like you guys did? Because your horses, they your kid rode them. So, And Casey Jones rode him after Gip had done retired and won the time to van on Gibbs horse. You know, he lasted forever. So what kind of advice can you give some folks on longevity on your horses?
2: Just, um, I would, you know, watch your miles. The, like I said, the miles is what gets them more than the runs. Um, you know, map out, and I know these pro girls do. They map out their, their travel and stopping taking care of them, um, take care of their legs, um, you know, find the feed that's, that agrees with them. And, um, you know, it's just, you pretty near live with them 24 seven, you know, and these, these top girls do do that, but, um, you have to spend a lot of time with them to know them, to know if they're getting burnt out, you know, if they're peaked out or, they're coming off a peak and need a little rest so they can go back. It's just um, spending a lot of time and um, you know know your horse to take care of them.
0: Do you think spend a lot of time to make the horse instead of rush rush it?
2: Yes. Uh, we spend a lot of time with one. Um, I know Pedro, we had him about a year before we ran him for anything. We actually had him over a year because we bought him when he was three and um, I could have run him the next May at Fort Smith and probably would have made the cut. But we chose to take, you know, wait a few more months, give him a few more months. So we took quite a long time. And, and that's the way Gip is now with his horses, is we like to um, you know, get them solid before you really start hauling them.
0: I see a lot of people, they really rush it, I feel like. And I, I feel like. It's just me from the outside looking in here that that's part of the longevity problem that nobody gets a longevity out of their horses anymore. They yeah. they As soon as they broke them to ride, they started roping or running on them and uh, just in the arena and that's it. You know, they never really uh, broke them to ride, I don't feel right. like.
2: And we like ours broke because I like one too when I tell him to go over here, I want him to go over here, you know, move and move off your hands, move off your feet and stuff like that. So just like I'm really broke.
0: Yeah. Some great advice from one of the best horsewomen to ever live right here. Charlotte Hartness. A- Absolutely. Charlotte, we so appreciate you guys. You coming.
2: Well, thank you. Cody and Jimbo.
0: Wish you'd have brought Gip with you, but she made him stay at home. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're so proud of you and we're so proud of all your accomplishments and, uh, like Jimbo says, we don't want to, anybody to ever forget we got a two-time world champion here, Charlotte oh, Hartness. Thank you. This has been another episode of Cowboys in the Osage. If you want to learn more about Charlotte, just like Jimbo said, get over here and see her display. It's awesome. You can learn all the great, cool stuff she did throughout her whole career. And and like I just can't say that I'm proud of her enough. Just proud to know her and I'm proud of the person she is. Thank you, Charlotte, for coming. Thank you. See everybody next week right here on Cowboys of the Osage.